Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Kyle, out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this terrible Tuesday. Go back to the website and you can listen to our terrible Tuesday takes. And also appreciate Houston Nutt joining us from CBS Sports, the former coach at Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State, just to name a few. Always fun, entertaining, and informative with the coach, Houston Nutt. Showtime Sean Porter will join us this hour. The two-time welterweight champ does a great job with uh, Fox and PBC and also... Just uh, got back from Tokyo, Japan a couple weeks back because he was part of the boxing Olympic coverage on NBC. And Sean in the midst of training right now as we speak, getting ready presumably for Terrence Crawford. And as we mentioned yesterday, WBO has put out a purse bid with that. So, yes, we will talk to Showtime Sean Porter this hour regarding Pacquiao-Yugos, what's next for both fighters. Of course, Sean beat Ugas, has sparred with Pacquiao. We'll talk to him about that. And the date, if one is allowed to be announced yet, for Crawford Porter. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, because I want to get Sean's uh, thoughts on what he thought about Team USA and where amateur boxing is in this country right now because they had their best Olympics since 2000, but it still wasn't like a highly successful Olympics. Wasn't good enough (laughs) at all. Was it one bronze, right? Was it one bronze or were no medals? I thought they got something. Didn't Torres get something in the super heavyweight? I, I, I thought I he got a one, bronze. Or, I think it was one bronze. Yeah. yeah, one medal. I mean, they were competitive. They got competitive and got close to the stuff. But yeah, but um, yeah. And, and again, then they're saying as well, the most successful U.S. boxing team since two thousand. It's like, hmm. I remember those days when my man Kenny Adams in '84 and '88. Just you know, this is where you got to learn who the Roy Jones. Uh, juniors were the world. Riddick Bowes, the Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard back to, in wearing the his, 70s. Wearing the picture yeah. on his sock yeah. and everything. Well, you go and, back yeah. to Cassius Clay if you want to go back to you know that far back. Yeah. Of course, you know Oscar De La Hoya as well. A little bit after that, but those Kenny Adams teams that he coached, Pat Nappy and him in, in '84, and then Kenny Adams in '88, the most successful that we've had in our history. Those were phenomenal. You know, one other thing from watching this Olympics too, when we're talking boxing, I don't know about you, but every time I see. Kazakhstan, and then I see the you know the Russian Olympic team, and all you know in every one of these weight classes, there's like three or four guys that back in those days would have just been Team Russia. How hard it is just to it would have been just to make that team before they yes. split up into six different countries. Right? I mean, they are so stacked; it's ridiculous. Well, you remember back in those days, it was United States, Cuba, and Russia. Teofilo Stevenson, I yeah. remember watching him as a heavyweight. He was just everybody thought that well, he'd beat Ali, he'd be, he'd beat anybody out there. And I don't know because amateur boxing is different, but wow, he was good. Oh, he was phenomenal again, but never got a chance to see it because 
You know, you're resonated to that country. Can't get out. Can't fight. Yeah. Can't, you know, guy smoking a cigar said you ain't going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. I, I miss, and we talked about this during the course of the Olympic Games. Miss uh, not uh, having Olymp- Olympic boxing being on the forefront, and a lot of that has to do with the rule changes and all the other nonsense that that, that they have there. It's it's just too bad. And again, a lot of countries. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of countries because obviously Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, all those, they're sending their best. Oh, but, for sure. But you know, in the United States, I mean, guys are, are turning pro. You know, younger and younger, and we're not seeing our best. Show me the money. Yeah, and probably you go back. I mean. You know, we talk about Yugos defeating Pacquiao. Ugas was a bronze medalist, you know, many years ago. I mean, again, he's 35 years old. But when you think about probably the last American, uh, you know, Olympic uh, gold medalist, probably Clarissa Shields from the women's side. Yeah. Which blows a lot of people away because, you know, there was never women's boxing. And, and many countries frowned upon that. Say, oh, for sure. have that. Forget it. But, you know, now you have it. And, uh yeah, she's she's probably the last uh, great American in recent times to come out of the Olympic Games. Yeah, and women, uh, you could probably argue that uh, for all the combat sports, for taekwondo, for judo, for a lot of the stuff, the women's teams from the United States probably stronger than the men's. And maybe part of that, too, is because, like you said, some countries still kind of frown upon it. Yeah, that's it. All right, looking forward to talking to Showtime. Sean Porter here in a little bit. All right, uh, COVID news. Uh, Cam Newton, we talked about it yesterday, unable to practice this week because of a misunderstanding of COVID protocols on his part. Uh, He got approval by the Patriots to go out of state to a medical appointment. This had nothing to do with COVID. I would imagine probably, you know, about his past injuries, shoulder. Again, Cam Newton really not giving much uh, information at all about this. But uh, so he, because he, he left, the state, he's got to be quarantined and is missing the next five practices. Well, the first practice was today. Uh, He has been taking daily COVID tests, and he has tested negative to each one. But the peculiar thing about this is, according to the NFL and NFL PA protocols, Tier 1 and Tier 2 individuals, which includes all players, are exempt from daily testing and are allowed to travel if they have received the COVID-19 vaccine. Well... Cam Newton, not vaccinated, even though he has never admitted that he's not vaccinated. Now, reporters have asked him, and he said, no, that's private. (laughs) And I understand that you have a choice to get the vaccine or not, and you can have your reasons. That's fine. However, and like we've said quite a bit here, and this story points it out, if you want to play ball, And if you want to be able to do the things that you were doing prior to 2019, 2020, you got to get the vaccine. And we know you're not afraid of needles because NFL players are getting shot up all the time with cortisone and other shots. And tattoos all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But if you're going to have this attitude of like, hey, you know, some conspiracy theory or this and that, that's your own prerogative. But when you are a quarterback of a team and you want to be the man and you are looked upon as the leader, then you better rethink it and think about what you should be doing basically for the greater good of your team and your franchise and your organization. And what Cam Newton's doing right now is he's opening the door for Mac Jones to be the quarterback. Because we know Bill Belichick wants to have Mac Jones be that quarterback. Maybe not this year because, again, you know, he said 
we got Cam Newton. Let's bring him back for one more year. He's a veteran. We can tutor, you know, Mac Jones. But Mac Jones has looked pretty good in the preseason. And Cam Newton has looked very good in the preseason. And Bill Belichick came out yesterday and said, Cam Newton is our starting quarterback right now. But now that Cam Newton is gone for five days and he's going to miss you know, the dual practices that they've got this week against uh, another team getting ready to, to play another preseason game, that means Mac Jones is going to get all of the snaps with the first team. And this is the crucial time because you're approaching your final regular season, or rather, your final preseason game as you get ready for the regular season here in two weeks. And knowing Mac Jones and everyone that we know that knows Mac Jones, I've seen Mac Jones play in college, he's going to take this and run with it. And he's going to come in there and not going to be passive. He's going to say, this is my team. I'm with the ones now. Let's go. And four days from now when Cam Newton comes back, he might not be the starting quarterback. Or maybe Bill Belichick will say, okay, it it is your job still, but he's going to have a very short leash. You can't be leaving basically on your own accord at the most important time of training camp when roster cuts are coming and you're coming off a pathetic season last year, another injury season. Oh, and by the way, he had COVID last year as well, too. So a lot of question marks coming out here in New England. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because in the times we live in today, and I know everybody says it's a personal thing. It's my decision, my body, my choice, this, that, and the other. But it goes far beyond that. Because when you are a member of a team and the NFL has said, look, we're not going to do all this changing schedules around and everything else today. If you can't play and there's too many guys that can't play, then you're forfeiting games. You're losing. You're losing paychecks. You're, it's not just you anymore. You're affecting a lot of other people out there. And if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But is there any guarantee even that uh, at some point of the season, if Mac Jones starts and he's playing well, and they think, okay, this is our quarterback of the future. And Cam Newton still says, I'm not going to get the vaccine. That at some point they don't just say, you know what? We don't need you around anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys that refuse to get vaccinated, and again, it might be their right, but it also you might also be playing yourself or unvaccinating yourself out of a job or something. Now, if you're a superstar, you're going to get more leeway. But we all know guys get cut from rosters because – they're older and they're veteran, and they can bring in younger guys that make less. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of ways to get cut. If you're not going to help the team and you just are perceived as somebody that can hurt the team, and we certainly know Belichick's not afraid to do it in New England, you better make sure that you're good enough to stay there and be valuable enough to want them to keep you there. Bill Belichick said yesterday when asked about this, he goes, hey, there is a quarterback battle between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. He goes, but... Cam Newton is the starter. He goes, but like any position, that can change, and and good for him. So today he was pressed again because Cam Newton was not there. Mac Jones getting all the snaps. Here's Bill Belichick today at training camp. Yeah, of course. If we couldn't if we couldn't gain anything by practicing, then why do we practice? Look, our entire team has, has opportunities every day, uh, all the way through the week, and the Giants in the game. I hope we can all take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, look, there's a big learning curve for all rookies, and we all have a lot of work to do. We're three weeks into training camp. We've got a long way to go. All right, so the first question he was asked was, hey, does is this going to affect you know Cam Newton's job of being away for five days because he's going to be missing these practices, and Mac Jones will be getting all these uh, snaps you know, with the, with the starters? And his answer, the first part of that was, he goes, well, 
what what's the purpose of, of, of practicing then? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you need to be here. So practicing is vital, uh, especially now. And then he goes on to, um, there was another uh, reporter that asked a question, said, well, you know, you know wh- wh- what does this do for, for Mac Jones, you know, getting all the looks? And he just gave a, a short answer by saying, well, you know, they go, is this a, a, a big time for, for, for Mac Jones, like a proving ground for him? And he goes, yes. <laughs> and then the last part, what you just heard, was talking about just in general about how, you know, this, the quarterback position is just like every other position. It's, it's a battle. You have to be here at practice. You got to compete. And basically, we're going to take the best guys. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because I know everybody out there, when they think of practice, they think of Allen Iverson, and, oh, we're talking practice. At this time of the year in the NFL, especially with rookies and in positions where there's battles for, it is crucial. And if you don't think practice means that much, you don't have to look any further than the Raiders right out here in Las Vegas. When they had the joint practices with the Rams, when did the first stringers, when were they on the field? It was in the practices. That's where you work on the timing. That's where you have the coaches in your ear all the time. That's when you can stop things and break things down. That's when you're actually looking at people. The practices mean more than the preseason games in a lot of coaches' minds right now. I know right now Raider fans are absolutely ecstatic over the way Hobbs has been playing, and and he has played very well. But sometimes you turn on the news and you think, well, this guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's retired and everything. He's the most valuable player. It's, he's still in preseason. I mean, it looks like he's going to make the team, but what kind of impact is he going to have and everything else? And it's like the practices are what really matter right now. And for Cam Newton to, like you said, basically voluntarily take him out of that after the season that he's coming off of with a highly touted quarterback coming in, it's a dicey game to play. Yeah, it is a dicey game. We know how the fans feel. Because they gave Mac Jones staying ovation, you know, when, when he comes in the games, you know, here in the preseason. And Cam Newton is is not loved there, in New England. He's really he's not loved anywhere. He's not he's not considered but, a Patriot quarterback. No, but as far as the Patriots go and Bill Belichick, I mean, he's going to go with the guy that he thinks that that is better right now. But down the road, Cam Newton will not be a Patriot next year. No, no way in the world. And you know, what? it would surprise me if Cam Newton's not a Patriot at some time during this season. And if Mac Jones shows that he can get the job done, he's going to be the guy. He's, he's the guy in New England eventually. It just, it's just a matter of, of when and what time Bill Belichick says, okay, uh, you're the guy. And if you've got to take some lumps, that's fine. And you got to remember, too, he's got Brian Hoyer, who knows that Patriot system inside and out. Well, he's with his second or third stint with the team. Belichick's fine with Hoyer. I think he'd be perfectly fine to go Mac Jones and Hoyer and a practice squad guy as his quarterback guys. I think he'd be totally fine with that right now. But to give credit to Cam Newton, he has showed up. He looks a lot better this year. Apparently, he did work with his his quarterback coach, George Whitfield, who's really cleaned up a lot of the mechanics. So it's hard to gauge what we've seen. I crack up when people say, he's looked great this preseason. Well, it's preseason. You're getting limited snaps. And pretty much you're going against, you know, garbage, you know, because everyone's resting players, offense and defensive, you know, aside of the ball. So you've got to just, you know, chill, you know, on all the praise, you know, that you're getting. And we'll get into some other camps here in a minute. But, you know, back to the COVID situation here. We talk about Cam Newton taking himself out of it because he doesn't want the vaccine. Cole Beasley is another one. Very outspoken. And he's with the Buffalo Bills right now. He is a dynamic receiver. 
but he's taking himself out of action with Buffalo because he doesn't want the vaccine. Yeah, uh, Cole Beasley actually came out and said, I may die of COVID, COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. I mean, he has basically come right on and said, I'm not getting it. There's nothing you can do to make me get it. He is completely against it. And again, that's his right. But is Cole Beasley a big enough superstar that the Buffalo Bills think that they can't win without him or that if somebody else comes up and can take his place or something like that? And Cole Beasley right now, I believe, is out because he had some contact tracing with another coach who's actually been vaccinated but has COVID, and now he's going to be sitting in a hotel room or quarantined for five days or whatever. So, again, you can do whatever you want to, but there's choices and consequences. And when it's not just your job on the line but every other person in that locker room, you know, I'm just wondering when we're going to start having some closed-door meetings with some of the teams and some of these guys that are vaccinated and that going, look, you guys either need to get on the page or get off the train, you know, because we're leaving the station here and we can't have all these interruptions and everything else out there. I I know that it's still a hot-button issue, but especially now that Pfizer's been approved by the FDA, and I know a lot of people, because a lot of people said, well, once it's approved by the FDA, everyone's going to be getting it. No, they're not, because a lot of these people were just using that as an excuse. There's a ton of people out there that do not believe in the vaccine that actually think it's a bad thing that the government's intentionally poisoning us, which kind of makes me laugh because in the whole world's poisoning everybody because it's not just a United States thing. I don't know what's going to happen this season. And again, when Cam Newton says, oh, it's a personal choice or, you know, Coles Beasley at least does come right out and said, I don't want to do it. It's not going to be that difficult to find out the guys that are and aren't vaccinated or that do or don't have the COVID because they're going to be the guys sitting out because they didn't go by the NFL protocols. Lamar Jackson is another one, a guy who got COVID twice last year. Okay, and and and, and will be at the Legion Stadium for Game One because I know right. some people. Oh, well, you got to bet the Raiders in that game because Lamar. No, it's the NFL Players Association. He's still going to be able to play there. Yeah. He's not a fan in the stand. He doesn't have to fill out all the paperwork in that. Mm-hmm. Now, some people think that's hypocritical, but that's a whole different topic. Well, there are two different standards, even if you're a player, though. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing this with Cam Newton the exact same way. I mean, you know, these guys, he's got to go through five days of this stuff now, even though he's you know, tested you know, negative. But if you're vaccinated, you don't have to go through that. You don't have to go through that period. So... It, it, it can affect, you know, Lamar Jackson. If he comes down with it again or there's contact tracing or whatever it is, he's going to miss games. Absolutely. But if, you're, if you're vaccinated, you, you can play. So that's why all of these teams want to have their guys vaccinated. They want 100% of their teams vaccinated, just not football teams. We talked about this with Bill Lambeer and the Aces. I mean, they were one of the first teams. Everybody was vaccinated. No worries about it. No coincidence that they haven't had anybody miss any games you know, for COVID and really any serious injury. Now, Angel McCaudry got injured in the preseason, but th- they've been injury-free. No COVID issues at all. Oh, and by the way, who's got the best record in the WNBA? Just saying. It's Las Vegas Aces. So they are correlated. And the Ravens have several guys besides Lamar Jackson, one of their featured running backs. Uh, same way, refuses to be vaccinated. And they continue to win in the preseason because, well, that's what they do. They've won 19 games in a row now. But, you know, this, this thing could uh, become a big factor in the locker room. You know, when you're going to have a division 
with your own players saying, listen, man, I'm vaccinated. I got kids. I got my family. Uh, Lamar, you need to get vaccinated. It, you're right. It's a hot button topic and it's not going to go away. But, you know, certain guys are going to stand pat with this thing. But the bottom line, they're hurting themselves. They're pro- potentially hurting their family and they're definitely hurting their team. Well, you know, I, I'm curious too, and this just popped in my mind, and I doubt it would happen. But could you envision a time when certain teams, because again, the player has the right to not get vaccinated, are we going to at some point potentially see locker rooms split up of vaccinated lockers over here and keep the other unvaccinated people away from them a little bit more or something? Because that would certainly make it pretty much impossible to say, well, it's a personal issue. Well, then how come you're over here on this side of the locker room or whatever like that? Because again, if you're coaching that and you mention, okay, Jackson, the running back, how many, you know, how many people, if they all get hit with it or something like that, then you're looking at, well, how many people can we afford before we have to start forfeiting a game or our skill position players aren't there? Some of these teams might have to start getting creative to protect themselves from people getting suspended, even if, like you said, they're not testing positive, but if they've been in contact with somebody that is, if they're not vaccinated, they still get the quarantine. I don't know how they're going to circumvent it and go through this year. But I'm, I'm sure that right now almost every team out there is trying to look at contingency plans and everything to, well, if this happens or that happens, what are we going to do? Because it's a whole different world. Pretty easy to find out the guys that are vaccinated and not vaccinated too because you see guys like rolling into practice here at training camp. The guys that have the masks on, well, they're the ones that haven't been vaccinated. The guys that are rolling around just, you know, normal, they're vaccinated. So, again, yeah, there already is that divide Already in training camp. And again, Same with it, the media, right? I believe the media, the, the, the unvaccinated, they have to wear the mask and they're farther away from the field and different things well, like I, that. Well, I, I believe all media, they still want all media wearing the masks. Yeah. So, and, you know, we're seeing that like in press boxes at all the events as well, too. So, yeah, uh, we'll continue to uh, watch the story. But bottom line is for the New England Patriots, Mac Jones uh, has an opportunity to, to win this job possibly in the next four or five days. Now. I fully believe that Bill Belichick will come back and say, okay, you know, Cam, you're going to start week number one. But it's giving him the opportunity to see what Mac Jones can do on a daily basis with the number ones. And he'll have the quicker trigger, the quicker hook now, too, if, Cam, if something happens with, with Cam Newton. So we'll continue to watch that. Plenty of other quarterback battles. And I really can't remember the last time that we've seen NFL teams heading into the final preseason game where you've got like four or five teams that still haven't named their starting quarterback uh today the chicago bears named their quarterback though and uh, amongst a little bit of controversy they decided to go with andy dalton as the week one starter over justin fields and there's a big debate here you know with matt Nagy. you know matt matt Nagy needs to win right away or matt Nagy's not going to have a job and they know that justin fields is the future for the bears and with that offensive line right now, there is a school of thought that they're throwing Andy Dalton out to the Wolves, a guy that really doesn't have much mobility, a guy in his 30s right now, and they're starting him so Justin Fields can kind of just be waiting in the wings and hopefully that offensive line get a little bit better. But there's another school of thought that says, listen, if you truly want to win and you need to get your guy acclimated to game speed and – you're going to play him anyway. Maybe you should throw him out there and let him start week one. I don't know how you feel. You're a Bears fan here, but uh, you know, neither guy has really been 
you know, overly impressive, you know, during during the course of this preseason because the Bears got drilled, what, 41 to 15 against Buffalo. And that was kind of like a, an FU coming, you know, back from, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky from uh, Buffalo. And he kind of stuck it to the Bears. But the Bears are a mess right now. But uh, Nagy said, Dalton, you're the starter. Go get it. Well, he did say that, but now I just read, too, that they said Fields is going to start the final preseason game. So there's definitely some mixed messages being well, sent. Well, that, that's because he's resting all the starters. Right, right, right. But, yeah. but, but I'm saying yeah. it's like, yeah. and I'll tell you what, if you are a Bears fan like myself and you watched that last game against Buffalo, and I didn't watch every snap of it, but I saw some of it and I saw some of the highlights in that, when you saw Fields get absolutely laid out on that field by one of the Buffalo uh, blitzing linebackers, you were thinking, boy, this guy's season might be over now. So I don't know what that fine line is. Do you throw him in there with the Wolves? I know a lot of people told me last year, oh, well, they got Andy Dalton now. So you're, I would have, to be honest with you, I would have rather just stayed with Trubisky for this season. I don't think they're going to win anyhow. He already knows the system. You're paying Dalton a lot of money, so and you don't want him to do the backup here. He's certainly not your quarterback of the future. And what did he do last year with Dallas? Everybody keeps on telling me, well, we had a good year when Prescott. No, he didn't. That's why they want to get Prescott back there. Andy Dalton can't move. He doesn't have skills anymore. Oh, well, he had a good season his first year with Cincinnati. How many years ago was that or whatever? I'm not sold on Andy Dalton whatsoever. Um, I think Fields has a potential, but I do think right now he didn't do himself any favors after week one when he said the speed in the NFL wasn't that fast. And uh, I, I'm scared for his safety out there. I know Willie Galt said throw him in right now. And again, Troy Aikman was what one in fifteen his first season. So yeah. you know maybe you don't have to win, but like you said, maybe Fields doesn't have to win his first year, but Nagy does. Absolutely, Matt Nagy said this too. He goes, "Here's this quote: We don't want to do to Justin Fields what the Cincinnati Bengals did to Joe Burrow." I think Chicago fans would totally understand that. Well, you can do that. Uh, you know, I get that. But if you feel that Justin Fields is your best quarterback and he's got the skill set and he's learned your system, then you go with him. I mean, you know, more than likely the Jacksonville Jaguars will go with Trevor Lawrence, probably not the best quarterback. Gardner Minshew might be better at this point in time right now. We see what the Jets are doing. They're going to go with Wilson because, you know, there's other guys that have more snaps, have more experience than Wilson, but he's looked decent, you know, but they're banged up too. So at this point in time, you you got to go with who you feel is your best quarterback and maybe who is your future. And that's why I probably wouldn't hesitate if I'm Bill Belichick to go with Mac Jones as well, too. I get it. Cam Newton, okay, he's been in a Super Bowl. He's been an MVP. I get that. But still, he doesn't fit really what you're trying to do. So tough questions, tough decisions for these head coaches. Well, and for Nagy to say that, that we don't want to do to uh, Fields what they did to Burrow, well, that's more of a a charge against your line and the protection and everything else out there. Burrow was having a good season and looked really good till he got hurt. Right. So if you think that's the problem, then, you know, if, if I'm Henny Dalton, I'm going, so wait, so I'm the sacrificial lamb till we get a line good enough to protect yeah. Justin Fields? Because guess what? Andy Dalton's going to get hit regardless. He's probably going to get hit more than Justin Fields. So at what point then do you think they're good enough? Because if you think that the line is that bad and everything – Andy Dalton's going to get knocked out at some point. He ain't less than 17 yeah. games. And that's a pretty weak uh, uh, excuse as far as Matt Nagy goes to compare that. Because you're right, Burrow was playing great, and he got an injury. 
And was that the offensive line's fault? Is that what he's trying to say? He's trying to say, oh, well, Cincinnati kind of ruined, you know, uh, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, that that is a weak analogy. It's a weak analogy, and yeah. it's also and, and again, if I'm a lineman or somebody else, I'm going, wait a second, yeah, how did how did we get thrown into yeah. this situation? Yeah. All right, we come back. Showtime. Sean Porter joins us. Love talking to the two-time welterweight champ. We'll uh, revisit Pacquiao Ugas. He was on the broadcast crew with that. And what's next for Showtime? Big announcement. His next fight. This is Showtime. Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. All right. We saw the fight on Saturday night along with 17,438 at T-Mobile Arena. Yes, everybody was out. The Freaks came out at night. And Showtime Sean Porter was part of the PBS broadcast, of the PBC broadcast on Fox as well, too. So we're going to get his thoughts on that. The two-time welterweight champ, the Las Vegas native, taking some precious time out of his training schedule to join us today. My man, Showtime Sean P., what's up? I love how you call it precious time. (laughs) It's all good, man. I'm in between workouts right now, so I got all the time for you. It is precious, and I and I realize that, man. I mean, you are in training, brother, so I, I do appreciate you. We wanted to try to have you on last week. Uh, we know your schedule is crazy because you're doing double time, getting ready uh, you know, to broadcast the fight uh, with PBC last week and Fox, and, of course, uh, you just got back from the Olympics, and you're in the midst of training, man. I don't know how you do it. I don't know either, man. Uh, what God told me to do, man. I, I like to stay busy and... I like to say busy doing things that that uh, bring me success. So uh, there's that, man. Let me ask you: Did you did you see Saturday night turning out the way that it did? Uh, I I predicted a distance fight. I knew it would be close, uh, and I was and I but I was picking Pacquiao to win a close decision. But I I, I did say that it was going to go the distance. Uh, but you know. Here's what I said, Sean, leading up to it. And I based everything that I've seen with Ugas was your fight against Ugas. And I referenced that a whole bunch of times leading up to the fight last week, saying Ugas gave Sean everything he could handle. I remember you praising him, you know, when we had you on the show after you defeated him. It was a close decision. It was a split decision. You definitely won the fight. But Ugas, as you said, leading up to that fight, he can fight. So it did not surprise me that we were going to get a vintage performance from Ugas. I was just hoping and thinking that we'd get a little bit more vintage, you know, um, performance from Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I think um, Manny just, uh, he didn't show up. And, you know, everybody wants to, to uh, attribute that to his age. And, I, you know, I don't want to be unfair to Manny Pacquiao. If anything, I'm biased. I mean, before the, the, the fight started, they said, hey, we're going to do predictions. Which we had not, we had planned not to do. And I said, Manny, in five rounds. Like, I mean, like, I, I really want him to win that fight for a number of different reasons, but I just really feel like he wasn't prepared for the fight. I know at the end he says his legs, and I know that everybody looks at his age, and, you know, we all know that, you know, the, the saying is true. You know, it happens overnight. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really think that Denis Ugas was well prepared. And I think that he presented some things to Manny that Manny didn't expect with the corner. And even with that Hall of Fame corner, I don't think that they could make any of the adjustments necessary to uh, beat your Dennis. 
Do you think there's any um, credence to the thought that because Manny was uh, getting ready for Spence Jr., that it's a completely different type of fighter, and maybe that's why he wasn't as ready for Ugas? Or was, did Ugas just have a brilliant game plan that he stuck to the whole time and made it work? Number one, brilliant game plan. He stuck to it, and it, and it worked uh, fabulously. But number two, I really do feel like uh, Manny was getting ready for for Errol Spence Jr. I think he was preparing for a different type of fight. And I think that if you go and you take a look at Dennis Ugas' uh, fights, if you look at them on YouTube, whatever you see, you see Dennis being very dominant, but not really fighting the way that he fought on Saturday night. So even when you when they tried to prepare for Dennis, I'm a, I'm, I, I, I think it's safe to say that he did some things that they didn't expect in the in the fight. And so with that being said, again, going back to what you said to start the question. Uh, 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 unbelievable game plan by these guys in this team. Showtime Sean Porter joins us. Sean in training, the two-time welterweight champ, and of course Fox, PBC, and NBC uh, boxing uh, analyst. A final thing here, Sean, on the Pacquiao Ugas fight here. Again, I, I think that you know Manny complained about his legs. Uh, we didn't see that that normal footwork from Manny Pacquiao. It looked like yeah. he just could not get inside. But Ugas, really, I mean, he was the bigger fighter that night. He did some things that he did against you. But I think, you know, in this fight, yeah, I, you know, maybe he was more polished. I don't know what it was, but it just seemed like that he was more prepared for Pacquiao than Pacquiao was for Ugas. Yeah, and, and you know, just to speak again to Manny, you know, they never gave any indications in camp that something was wrong. And nor should they, you uh, know. We never really want to tell our uh, business whether that's to keep it away from the opponent or to keep it away from anyone who may have something to say, whatever the case may be. But they gave every indication that they were ready to knock out Eden Zugas. They gave every indication that this was the best training camp that they had. They said they trained harder for this than they did for, for Keith Thurman. Maybe it backfired on them. Uh, but... Manny did say uh, his legs were hurting, and that was one thing we didn't see Manny from the opening bell. We never saw him really use his legs. We did see some moments where he tried to fight in the spurt and get at your dancing guys, but for the most part, he did use his legs, not the way that we're testimony he used to see him use them. So I do think that there was something behind that, but, you know, when you don't give any indication that anything's wrong, then it becomes an excuse at the end of the day. And again, I don't mean to disrespect uh, the legend. But I, I just really have to say that I think the game plan took them by surprise. And, you know, I don't know if anybody knows that, but knows this, but fighters say we, we get into a rhythm. And if we don't get into a rhythm, you, sometimes you don't see the best of us. And so he didn't guys. He never allowed Manny to find a rhythm. And with that being said, we never got to see dentist Manny Pacquiao, you know. So who knows if this is the last one. But if it is, I, I think he went out, uh, Manny Pacquiao went out the best way he could. All right, Sean, let's ask you, what's next for each fighter? And let's start with Manny Pacquiao. Do you think Manny gets in the ring again? And we know he's going to take some time off, relax. He's thinking about, again, running for president in the Philippines. Does he maybe have a a final goodbye farewell fight in the Philippines? Or, you know, again, he did look good enough, and maybe the opponent just wasn't right or the legs had something. And we know that you're always going to get a great effort from Manny Pacquiao, but do you think he deserves uh, a shot either against, you know, um, whether it's Earl Spence Jr., yourself, Crawford, or somebody else? Because obviously those are the guys he wants to fight. 
I, you know, I had a crazy thought yesterday while I was doing an interview. Uh, option A is for Manny to retire. Uh, Brian Keeney, BK, he said the best on air. He said Manny, he said Manny Pacquiao has had two Hall of Fame careers. And when he said that to me, it was like a big slap in the face. And I looked at Keith Thurman. I said, man, this is crazy. We're fighting for one Hall of Fame career. This man literally has two Hall of Fame careers. With that being said, option A, retire. But if you don't retire, I think option B should be the rematch. You did Zugas. I think it, I think the first one turned out so well that people would expect uh, a, a great fight, even though I think a lot of people thought that this one wasn't the fight that it was going to be. It lived up to expectations and over exceeded those expectations. I would say rematch, you think Zugas, do it in the Philippines at home, be your, show your greatness, make your adjustments, and go out there and, and, and hopefully beat and retire in the Philippines. I love that idea. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know both fighters very well. You again, you went twelve rounds with Ugas. Um, again, your your thoughts on him as a, as a fighter? Did he show you something on Saturday night that it was a little bit different than when you fought him when you're going toe to toe with him, or was it the same guy? No, no, uh, absolutely. I, I well. Not to not to give too much to say too much. So okay, so here's what I know. I know that Cuban fighters are systematic, and what I mean by that is whatever they do, they do it well, and they're not going to change. So with that being said, we did see your Dennis Ugas's uh, game plan. We saw that it was a fantastic game plan. But if we look at it, he was systematic. He didn't do anything different mm-hmm. from what he had, what he game plan to do. And I think his game plan against me was to fight me in the middle of the ring. And when that didn't happen for him, he got frustrated. He started to bang his gloves. He tried to force me to fight. But he tried to force me to fight in the middle of the ring. He never made an adjustment to make me fight any other fighting style than the fight that I wanted to fight, which is why we felt comfortable. We felt like we won that fight. And we didn't feel like it was a split decision. That being said, I do think that he did some things differently against Manny Pacquiao. It impressed me. But I do think that he has to be able to have multiple game plans and a fight in order for him to beat me, in order for him to beat your, uh, Earl Smith Jr. Definitely in order for him to beat Thurman because I know that Keith is going to come in this ring with multiple things to do. I think that any of us at the top, man, we, we have what it takes to do multiple things in the ring. I think that Manny just wasn't prepared to do anything more than what he did. Uh, but again, I think that uh, was a fantastic job by Earl by uh, Yudin Zugas, but I think that he's got to be prepared to do more than just one thing in the course of the entire fight in order to beat anybody else uh, at the elite level in the one-to-one division. You know, it's interesting because I just had a strange thought when you were talking about how Manny could maybe end his career by getting the rematch in the Philippines with Ugas, uh, essentially winning back the belt that he never lost in the ring until actually last Saturday, and then if he retired afterwards, then he'd be giving up the belt again right away, too. So it had kind of go vacant again. So it had kind of do the whole 360 uh, mode of it. But uh, do you think Ugas would be willing to fight him down there in the Philippines on his home turf since he's the champ? Absolutely. I 100% know. Pay that man because he's worth it. Pay that man because he deserves it. And make a fight happen in the Philippines because that's what Manny's worth and what Manny deserves. And I think that that is a fight, a rematch, actually, that could go down in history. 
Uh, there's been many have plenty of rematches that have gone that have been historic, and that this one could, could hit that list as well. Yeah, and I think Ugas is was so genuine in thanking. He realizes that if it wasn't for Manny giving him the opportunity on Saturday night, he wouldn't be in this position. So, oh, for sure. So that's why I do. I think I agree with Sean that I think Ugas would say, "Hey, yeah, I, I would." And, fight and I wasn't saying I didn't. No, I just I that's why I yeah. just posed the question out there. All right, my man. Uh, you're... Well, yeah, I mean, because I'm sorry to cut no, you off, but no, yeah, at the end of the day. People are always worried about fighting in someone's home group backyard. And so, but I think that your Dennis is, uh, I think that he's the kind of man that'll fight anyone, anywhere, at any time. And I think that, that that's it. I, I, I really love that scenario for both fighters. I really do. Yeah. Showtime Sean Porter joins us. All right. You are in training, taking time out of your schedule to do it. And uh, the WBO has a purse bid coming up here in a couple weeks. Showtime Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford. What can you tell us uh, about this that's going on with the purse bid? And uh, what can you tell us, man, about this fight actually happening? And when's it going to happen? Well, what I can tell you is that I saw a post that the WBO was going to broadcast that uh, bid live. I just think that that is uh, that's it's crazy to me. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, that's what I'm expecting to see. Uh, I know as much as everybody else that there's going to be a purse bid that is going to be live on Facebook and. Uh, a quarter uh, will happen because the WBO has mandated it. And uh, I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know who's going to be promoting it until that purse bid happens. But I'm looking forward to it. That's true. That we don't, we know that's part of the, the deal. With, uh, it is the, the deal with the purse bid. You don't know who's going to be promoted. It could be anybody who promotes this. Uh, now, wait a second. Is your promoter hat coming back on? Is this T.C. Martin promotion? That's it. From, from That's it. The, the, out of the wrestling world into the ring. Listen, uh, I promoted boxing matches. I, I got, uh, Sean, can I can I get about a $50 million loan so I can promote this fight? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But I did see that they're starting the minimum at 200000 And I said, well, shoot. Uh, Porter Promotions might be able to get into it uh, for a little while, so we'll see what happens. There you go, man. There you go. Oh, T- <laughs> TC's got that in his tip jar for Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All <laughs> right, man. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so you're training. Are you training right now? Are you training 100% for Terrence Crawford? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm training because my dad's got some other guys out here. Uh, young guys, and they're keeping me moving, keeping me on my toes. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is what I do. Even if uh, there wasn't anything on uh, being mandated by the WBO, I still will be training and uh, staying in shape and staying ready for uh, whenever that call comes. Uh, just so happens that this one has been made very public, and um, I'm even enjoying that side of it. So, uh, I'm going to keep training and keep staying ready, and uh, I do expect uh, to hear something soon. Okay, and we know a lot of this is out of your hands, but let's just say I want to know what Sean Porter wants. What does Showtime want as far as, okay, you want Terrence Crawford. When do you want this fight? Where do you want this fight, if it's up to you? No, no, no. I I, I would love to fight before the end of the year. Uh, I do know that um, there's been an announcement that the plant Canelo fight, I believe, is going to be in November. Uh, so I, I would say, hey, I'm sure a month in November. If not, 
not to December, uh, before Christmas, because uh, I am a family man, and that's family time. Yep. And uh, if I had it my way, I would be fighting right down the street. Uh, if I had it my way, I'd be fighting in the, in the Rangers stadium. So yeah, right. there's that. <laughs> there you go, my man. Awesome. You know, it's interesting, too, that uh, you're doing this interview between training sessions because we're also doing it. The only difference is you do multiple training sessions a day. We're, we're in, you know, we're in between like a couple year training sessions, but we'll be back in the gym someday. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I'm training. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. in between my food training sessions. What are you talking about? Yeah, going on the food tour all over the place <laughs> isn't really the same type of training that Showtime is doing right now, okay? Now, now, now see. Well, I'll tell you what. Go Go ahead. I heard, I heard the restore. I heard the restore promo. That was smooth. So, way to show some love to restore out there in Green Valley. Mm-hmm. I look forward to getting out there real soon. I'm doing my training, so there's that. There you go, my man. That's got to give love to my guy Greg Vaughn and, and you as well too, man. So that's that's what we do, man. Bring people together. <laughs> And, uh, and promote our team here. That's what we do. And so, as you can see, Numchuck has been dying because he's never at the Cosmopolitan when the last couple times you've been. So he's been dying to play these family feud sounds just for you. He's been, <laughs> he goes, when can I use That's it? That's it. And he goes, ask Sean a question so we can get a double answer so we can, he can do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. What's what else is on the horizon for you, man? Hey, I do want to touch real quick. Uh, the Olympic Games, man. You did a fantastic job. Even though I feel bad because a lot of people didn't get a chance to watch boxing, it makes me sick. And we talked about it earlier that boxing is doesn't get the type of coverage in the Olympic Games as it used to. And we go back, you know, to the seventies and the eighties, even the nineties, or you know, that was a big part of the Summer Olympic Games, and. Uh, we did get a chance to see uh, you doing the broadcast, and uh, I want to know how you felt it went. I tell you what, uh, the Point Away podcast is going to be broadcasting a lot of amateur boxing uh, up until the next uh, Olympic Games, which I believe they're actually going to do in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, I thought that um, we did a fantastic job. I thought that we had a lot of fun. And we did the best that we could. I thought that the U.S. team had uh, the best showing at the Olympic Games that they've had in a very long time. It's It's been quite a few quads since we've had the showing that we had this quad. Uh, a lot of people didn't get to see it this time around, but what I'm expecting to do through the Playboy podcast is get, get America uh, familiar with who's going to the Olympic Games, get everyone behind the boxing program that way when the next squad comes hopefully nbc will be willing to push it out a little bit more than they were able to this time around of course because of the uh the time difference is always going to be hard uh, to do that um but with that being said man i'm hoping to uh do some things that way um that that, that way the olympics can get brought up the olympic boxing can get broadcast a little bit more than it has in the past it's always been hard to catch the boxing, um, but but I, I thought we did a fantastic job. I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, I thought the NBC uh, did a, did a great job as well, uh, doing the best that they could to get everyone over here to see it. I know that a lot of people were saying that this was the best U.S. boxing team since 2000. Do you know right off the top of your head what the final numbers were for medals and everything else? Because it seemed like they were competitive in a lot of there, but couldn't quite get to the top of the mountain. I, I man, I, I thought man, I thought everybody did a great job. We brought back uh three silvers and one bronze. And I know that uh by the number that, that may not or or you know, it may not sound as good as it was to me. Uh but 
I do think that um, the, 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 that uh, this this is kind of the change, the turnaround for the Olympics to come. I know that you guys know that I'm a big Browns fan, so you know I, I, the number one thing that's kind of echoes throughout Cleveland is a change in in the in the in the, uh, in the camp and um, a change. Uh, I can't tomorrow. I can't get the. The, the, the expression that they use right now, but I think that same expression can be uh, can be mimicked about the Olympic boxing because I definitely think that there's going to be a change uh, and, and, and we're going to start to bring back some more medals, more silvers, more golds, and definitely uh, more bronze medals. Showtime, Sean Porter, uh, Fox, PBC, NBC, Olympics, great stuff, oh, I, man. And I and I got one more for you. Uh, uh, we're gonna be. I'm gonna be uh, broadcasting the next Triller event. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya's next fight out there in in, in L. A. So you can add Triller to to the uh, to the list now. <laughs> you can add Triller. You and Jim Lampley, right? Because Lampley's uh, coming back yeah. to it. That's, that'll be good. Yeah. Well, now yep. you, you just Jim gave you, you, you you gave me a, a reason to tune in. I was actually thinking about. Possibly going down to the Staples Center, you know, for, for that fight. But I, I do I want to see De La Hoya, you know, uh, fight this guy? I don't know. But uh, maybe maybe I'll just stay home and watch you broadcast it. How's that? I would love for you to do that. My dad never stays home. He's like, oh, watch it I'm like, no, nah, dad, listen to me live. Yeah. Be cool, yeah, either way, man. If you come in, I'll see you. If not, uh, We'll, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure. All right, man. It, it was great. And I was looking for you Saturday night. I go, where's Showtime? I know he's on the broadcast. He's got to be on a perch somewhere. Is he on the floor? No, is he on the concourse? Was, is he upstairs? I had a hard time finding I you, everywhere. man. everywhere. <laughs> I was everywhere. So I was locked up it's somewhere where nobody could find me. And then they ran me down for the main event. And I, man, I just had a ball, man. I, I'm very fortunate to be able to, if this is Manny Pacquiao's last fight, Call it, and if not, I, I got an opportunity to call a great Manny Pacquiao and the Dennis Lucas WBA matchup. So that was really cool. You got it, brother. Okay, man, appreciate yeah. you as always. We'll let you get back to training. Thanks for taking the time. We'll get you uh, back at the Cosmopolitan here in a few weeks for football season so we could talk some NFL and talk some Browns. How's that? Sounds good, man. We'll talk soon. Take care, brother. All right. Later. Showtime, Sean Porta. Two-time welterweight champ, and it is official. He's getting ready. He's tuning up. He's training for Terrence Crawford. The fight that he's been wanting. The fight we've been talking about forever. The fight that we really couldn't come out and talk about and promote until it was official. And it's up for a purse bid with the WBO, and they'll be doing that on September the 2nd for the purse bid to find out who will promote it, where it will be, when it will be, but we know for sure Showtime Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford are getting in the ring. Two very good friends and two of the best welterweights in the business finally happening. Dr. Promotions back in the ring. <laughs> Don't miss it. Who's on the undercard? Stay tuned. <laughs> Could be you and Numchuck. There it is in a handicap match. What do you think of that? My handicap is I don't move so well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's a handicap. All right. I want to thank Sean Porter for joining us. Also, Houston Nutt. Uh, you can go back and listen to the website at any time. That'll be up a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com. The interviews, the blogs, the information, it's all up there. And we're going to get ready for some football picks. The best bets will be right around the corner as well, too. So uh, very proud of that because all of our crew always 
does very, very well in the best bets during the college and the NFL football season. I just want to know if Sean Porter is going to be doing this triller, or is he going to be doing a lounge act before the fights like our friend Al Bernstein does before the fights? <laughs> Sean's got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, you know, I don't know if singing is one of them, but... Uh... He might have a lot on his plate, but he can't eat very much because he's in training. (laughs) You got that right. (laughs) Got to make that weight. 147. All right. Glad uh, for you to join us. We'll back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you tomorrow for Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin, and M. Chuck. See ya mañana.